What's up, guys? We're glad to have you back for another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis, as always. And today for you on the show, we have the first 2017 edition of our annual Scouting the Enemy series, where we're going to go through the entire schedule from top to bottom and give you an in-depth preview of each Division One team on our schedule. So this year, it'll be basically everyone we play but Samford. I'm not going to give you a breakdown of Samford. Um, and up first today is, of course, the Appalachian State Mountaineers of the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, but first, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can also email us at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. Those lines of communication are always open to you guys, so if you feel so compelled, feel free to share your thoughts. Uh, the show can also be found on various podcasting platforms. We've got iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Dawsworks Radio always, of course. Uh, so check us out on any of those platforms if that might make the show a little easier and more seamless for you guys to get to and access. All right, Kurt. Appalachian State, longtime division, uh, one double A powerhouse. The Mountaineers, they're, they've what? They've now been part of the FBS uh, as a member of the Sub Conference, I think, since 2014. Does that sound right? I think it's 2014. A couple years, yeah. I think three seasons. Uh, and after winning three national titles, I think it was back to back national or back to back to back national titles at the one AA level. I think so. Uh, they have dominated the Sun Belt Conference though, really since they've arrived. They have a over the course of the three seasons they've been in the Sun Belt, they've got a, a combined record of twenty and four in the conference over that time span. Uh, and of course, we know they famously beat Michigan in the Big House back in two thousand seven. And then they came frustratingly close to beating Tennessee in overtime to open the season on a Thursday night last year. And really, I mean, you watch that game, they outplayed Tennessee all night long, but they got conservative, didn't cash in on a few opportunities late, and ended up blowing it down the stretch in overtime. But while those two games stand out, those two games have really kind of been the anomalies for Appalachian State and have really not been representative of their efforts typically when matched up against Power 5 teams. If you look at it a little bit more closely, since 2013, um, Appalachia State has played five games against Power 5 opponents, and in those games, they have been outscored by a combined score of 203-53, to which if you do the math, that comes out to an average of basically 40-10 to in each of those matchups, with them coming on the losing end, obviously. So while those performances against Michigan and Tennessee kind of stand out in our minds, I mean, understandably so... They stand out because they are such a departure from the norm. That's clearly not representative of Appalachian State's norm against Power 5 teams, which is to get blown out by 4-plus touchdowns. Now, saying all of that, which is all completely factual, those are facts. I I want to put that out there. Um, But saying all of that, I still don't like the fact that we scheduled this game. And I'll tell you guys why momentarily. But first, Kurt, I want to get your take on that. Is this a game, even though they haven't had much success outside of two isolated examples, they haven't had much success against Power 5 teams, is this a game that you're okay with us scheduling? Yeah, because at the same time, we're going to be, it's, you know, it's not a true Power 5, but at the same time, it's enough to challenge because we're going to be pretty young this year. And I think you want to see have a little bit better idea of what you have before you go to a big um, road game like such as Notre Dame, where it's prime time TV. So you like the fact that we're going to be at least somewhat challenged in the first game of the year? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. I mean, we really, like I say, we really need to see what we have, you know, offensive, 
Lee, you know, and we just need to have a better idea, you know, after game one especially, before we go to Notre Dame where, you know, that's a big-time game for recruits, everyone to see us on national television. I mean, playing, you know, Notre Dame always gets a lot of hype as it is, and they get a lot of TV time. So that's a big game for us, and we don't want to go up there not really truly knowing what we have. Okay, fair. So if you're going to say that we that you, you like the fact that we're going to be ch- at least somewhat challenged in the first week, and, I, and I'm yeah, kind of with that. I'm with that. It's, I, I it's don't... better than playing a Power 5 team like, you know, Alabama starting off with FSU. If we did that, we'd be stupid. But, I mean, <laughs> I agree. that state's enough to challenge you really well. But what, okay, so if you want to have a, a moderate level challenge in the first week, why schedule Appalachian State? What's the benefit there? Why not schedule, if, you're, if you want to be kind of challenged, why not challenge a mid-level Power 5 team like a, I don't know, an NC State? Or uh, like we did last year, North Carolina. That's a mid-level power fight, and that's a. I, I was all about that because you get a you get a, a nice national audience. It's not a killer game like, like you said, like a Florida State with Alabama facing them, but it's a game that will at least challenge us and kind of get us going from the get-go. Why not play a game like that as opposed to bringing Appalachian State, where the risk reward? I just I don't see that the positive. I think part of it's also got to go has to go along with the teams that we're trying to schedule. I mean, you don't know who we're trying to schedule because they might not want to work with us. A Power 5 team like NC State or someone might not want to try to start the schedule off. You know, a lot of those teams have to build up their um, non-conference to have a chance at bowl games. No, I mean, that's the thing. You're right. That's the thing with scheduling. It's, it's a two-way street. It's not, you have to be willing, but you also have to find willing partners. Yeah, see, App State's more willing to work with a lot of teams where, like, NC State, who knows if they wanted a home game and they wouldn't come yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, that's just one team. I mean, but look, look. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, I'm but there's plenty of examples. I mean, Look, Vanderbilt has Kansas State come to play them the third week of the season. I mean, wouldn't you rather open with a team like Kansas State as opposed to a team like Appalachian State? Think about it. If if you beat Kansas State to open the season, the perception would be that is a good win, and it absolutely would help our strength of schedule and potentially getting into the college football playoff. Whereas being Appalachian State, that's not even going to register nationally because the perception is that we 100% should beat them. But I know well, see, a, different, a different thing is too. Some of those teams, like a Vanderbilt, who has a history of not being a, one of the top in the SEC, isn't favored to win the SEC many years. I don't. You got to think that teams aren't as willing to face a team like that. Whereas they could play a team from the lesser of the SEC. It, it, you know, they're still claiming to play the SEC, but they're not playing the top teams. Yeah, I just I think I have ways. I really do. Shoes playing BYU to open this season. Uh, Texas A&M's willing at your, partner always. Yeah, I mean, you, but, but that's what I'm saying. You can find willing partners. I mean, you got uh, South Carolina's playing NC State. I already used them as an example. Tennessee's playing Georgia Tech. Uh, they're out there to be found. I mean, if you if you go to the next week, you got of course you got Auburn and Clemson. That's a big time match. You got Arkansas's got TCU. You, you can find those those games if you really want to. You can find them. They're they're out there. Uh, I guess for me, it just really comes to – look, for me, guys, I, and I know some people say, wow, are you scared of Appalachia State? No, it's not a matter of being scared of them. It's a matter of risk-reward. To me, there's absolutely no upside to playing this game against Appalachia State because to me, the potential negative consequences of possibly losing this game, however remote the chances may be of us losing it, the potential negative consequences of us losing it far outweigh any benefit of beating them any kind of challenge they might offer. I mean, to me, the, the possible risk simply is not worth the, the likely benefit. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's it's to me, it's just that kind of, it's an old cliche. It's a classic case of if you beat them, it doesn't really register with anyone anywhere. It doesn't materially improve our national perception. It doesn't improve our odds of getting the college football playoff at all. But if you lose, the earth is going to stop spinning on its axis and we're going to get sucked into a vortex of despair. So, I mean, I don't know. It's... 
To me, if, if we're going to insist on playing non-Power 5 teams, why play anyone that even has a remote chance of beating you? If it really, I mean, because you want to have it be challenged. I like that idea, too. I, I've been on record saying I don't want us playing any baby seals. I want us to play all Power 5 teams. But I, I realize we're not going to do that, and we probably should do that unless everyone else around us does that. But if it's about, for some people, though, it's about, hey, you know what? We need some easy wins on the schedule. But if it's really about getting an easy win, like why not schedule a team that rather than just being an easy win, it's essentially a, a sure thing. Because while we are absolutely significantly more talented than Appalachian State across the board, and we absolutely should win this football game comfortably, I wouldn't say it's a sure thing. Like you said, you think that they're, they're going to challenge us, and I agree. Uh, it's not a sure thing. Like I mean, Jacksonville State, a team like that, or Charleston Southern, those are sure things. Appalachian State is not a sure thing. I mean, look at what happened with Georgia Southern a few years back. Were we better than Georgia Southern? Yeah. Were we more talented? Absolutely. Should we have won comfortably? Yep. Did we? No. Was it a sure thing? No. So to me, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go that route for water down competition, go for the gold and go all the way. I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox there. I just I don't like the fact that we scored. I don't. I just don't see the benefit of it. Anyway, uh, now let's move into actually breaking down what this Appalachian State team will be bringing to Athens come September second. Starting with the offense that, by my count, returns eight starters from a year ago. I'm going to go through a couple of numbers here real quick, Kurt, and then I'm going to bring you back in and have you tell me what you see on this offense and who we should be looking out for. But uh, a couple quick numbers to give you guys some context what this Appalachian State offense is about. This is an offense that was middle of the pack nationally last year, averaging uh, 430 yards a game, um, which is a number, though. If you look at it a little more closely, while they did average on the year 430 yards a game, that number dropped to 275 yards a game against the two Power 5 teams they played, which were Tennessee and Miami, one of those Miami being at home. Uh, they are very much a run-heavy offense. They averaged 44 rush attempts a game to only 25 pass attempts. In this day and age, that's pretty striking. Um, similarly, they were 10th nationally in rushing uh, offense last season at 250 yards a game. But they were a paltry 105th nationally with only 179 yards a game through the air and only 7 yards per attempt. Uh, as a whole, they put up just a shade under 30 points a game. But again, the trend continues as against Power 5 teams, that number dropped to 11.5 points a game. So significantly, it makes sense. Obviously, playing Power 5 teams, that's a jump up in the level of competition. And lo and behold, they didn't fare as well. Uh, they were terrible on third down offensively. They only converted 34% of those third down opportunities, good for 112th nationally. Uh, they are a decently explosive offense, ranking 40th nationally in plays of 20 or more yards. But here's something that's kind of strange um, in our modern day of football. They actually had more rushing plays of 20-plus yards than they did passing plays. So again, this is an offense that definitely does most of their damage on the ground. Uh, up front, they were 16th nationally in sacks allowed last year at 1.2 sacks a game. But if you think about it, that's large due to the fact that they just don't throw it all that often. They were uh, 74th nationally in tackles for loss allowed right in the middle of the pack there. So, Kurt, there are some raw numbers for this offense. But based on what you've seen from them and what you know about this team coming into the 2017 season... Who are the players that we should be concerned with uh, on this Appalachian State offense? Where are their strengths? Uh, uh, just two players, really, in particular. The quarterback, uh, Taylor Lamb, and the running back, Jalen Moore. Yep, those are the top two I've got listed here as well. I mean, th that, their offense runs through both those guys. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Um, and Lamb, like when you watch his game, what 
who I don't say who he reminds you, but what kind of what does he bring to the table? Um, he's a decently mobile guy, and he's that's an average passer. Yeah, that's a <laughs> succinct but really good way to put it. Uh, he's you know he's he, he's a, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's a Georgia guy. Uh, I think his, his his dad or grandfather, one of the two, is the head coach at Mercer. I believe that is the case. Um, but he's you know he's got a decent size, six two, about two hundred pounds. Uh, last season, he completed sixty percent of his passes for two two thousand two hundred eighty one yards, right at seven yards an attempt, fifteen touchdowns to eight picks. So decent ish numbers. They also don't throw the ball all that much. Uh, you mentioned he's decently mobile, which I think is a good way to put it. He rushed for 505 yards last season, 5.7 yards per carry, nine touchdowns on the ground. But listen to this. If you dig that a little deeper, while he did have 505 yards rushing, all, the vast majority of those yards came in four games. Against Georgia Southern, he had 94 yards rushing. Against Louisa Monroe, he had 92 yards rushing. In New Mexico State, he had 71. And in the bowl game, uh, Against Toledo, he had 126 yards. Uh, it's really, in fact, it's a really weird game log for Lamb. The first 10 games, get this, this is weird. The first 10 games of the season, including games against Tennessee and Miami, Lamb averaged only 21 rushing yards per game over the course of the first 10 games of the year. 21 rushing yards a game. But over the course of the last three games, including his bowl game, he averaged 96 rush yards a game. So it looks like they found something down the stretch there. I mean, and regardless, regardless of what 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 the splits were and what the game laws looked like, he's very capable, and it seems like they really found something in his legs late in the season. Which, uh, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think that I expect them to continue to try to exploit that early in the season. Wouldn't that seem to make sense? Yeah. You find that late, you want to keep it going because I mean, again, I, you know, I, I watched the the ball game with Toledo a couple times and multiple situations, key downs, you know, third long, second. I mean, they. Would run quarterback powers, quarterback draws, and he was he was gashing them. So I would expect them to try to continue that to open the season. We'll see, um, but uh, he's definitely a guy that you have to account for with his legs in the run game. He's an he's an accurate passer, uh, but wow, man! Like if you watch this guy, he has no arm at all, at like at all. When he puts the ball in the air, defenders have all day to break on it. Which is, in my opinion, that's why they run the ball so much and try to stay ahead of the chains and out of third long situations. Because in those third long situations, Taylor Lamb becomes an absolute liability. He is a threat in all those situations when he stays ahead of the chains. But when you get them to third long, the dude—he's just not going to consistently get it done. He just—I mean, I, dead duck does not even do it justice. I mean, his arm is a noodle, man. It absolutely is. And most of the time when he throws the ball, it comes from play action. There's very isolated cases. I watched. Uh, I went back the past couple weeks and watched three games that he played last year. I watched the Tennessee game, watched the Miami game, and uh, watched the Toledo game, the bowl game, a couple of times. And the I'm saying 90 plus percent. I don't have the numbers written down, but if I had to guess, 90 plus percent of the times he dropped back to throw was off play action. So a lot of that, and like I said, everything is based off the run game, which brings us to Jalen Moore. Is this a guy that could really gash us? Does, does he have I that potential? I don't really think so. You don't think so? I think he's good, but... Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year last year. I know, but I think one of the, the biggest things about it is... It, was, it kind of reminds me of Snell from Kentucky. Yeah, BG, yeah. Benny Snell. He, he had a great counterpart who made him just look that much better. You know, he was always able to stay fresh. 
So yeah, because that's a that's a fair point. Because lastly, now this guy's not coming back, but Marcus Cox was their senior, and he was the guy that was going to be the feature back coming into the year. And he, if you remember back to the Tennessee game, if anybody watched that game, I'm sure a lot of you did. He was a guy that was did a lot of things against him. Caught a big pass on the sideline. Uh, I think I went for a touchdown. I believe I want to say. Yeah, the pass did. I yeah. Uh, so, it, it, but he got hurt at points of the season. And that's when Moore kind of jumped in and took over and was was huge in his absence. But when you kind of had that two headed monster, like you said, that counterpart to kind of go off of and be a change of pace. because Moore and Cox were different backs. Cox is a little bit more of a power back. No, I mean, yeah, they, I would say a little bit more of a power back, uh, but. He's not going to have Cox this year. Jalen Moore is going to be the guy, and he was the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year last year. Averaged fourteen hundred yards, or not average, ran for fourteen hundred yards, six yards a carry, ten touchdowns. But you're not too concerned about him without Cox in the picture. I mean, I'm concerned. I think he'll be a good back, but it's one of those things where you don't know how he upholds an entire game against you know an SEC type defense taking a beating like that. Yeah, something. Yeah, something to look at. Uh, and look, in their running game too, it's, I don't want to call it finesse. I think that's too strong, but it's almost exclusively a zone-based run game. It, it's and, a, and i got to say, I think our, especially one thing that's going to help, you know, make him not as strong this year against us in particular is the fact that I think our defensive line is going to be greatly improved. Um, you know, we'll have Trent back now, um, which, and, you know, Trent being gone for the spring had caused some guys to have to step up. Oh, no doubt. It absolutely did. Um, and those guys, I mean, but most of those guys were young last year anyway, and they got a lot of playing time, got a lot of experience. They they took their bumps at points last season, but I think they're going to be ready to come in this year, and I love our defensive line depth coming into the year. We've got experience. It's still young experience, but it's experienced nonetheless. Um, and, but when we face them, though, we're going to be seeing a lot of zone runs. It's, it's a nice mix of inside and outside zones, but more, I'd say he hits a lot of his big plays more so on outside zone runs than he does anything else. He has nice patience. He presses the line well. He's got good vision. Knows when to turn it up and, and hit the acceleration. Um, and, and look, their scheme, like running all those zone-based runs, that makes sense when you have an offensive line that they do that's undersized. They only have one player uh, at least listed right now, listed at over 300 pounds on that offensive line. So it makes sense for them to run, to run this zone-based scheme because they don't have the guys up front to match up in a more of a man-based scheme where you're going to be going man, mano-a-mano and trying to knock guys off the ball. They just don't have that. Uh, so he, I, I'm with you. I think he's a good back. He really is, and he's dangerous. If if, if he finds a seam and we give him seams, he, he can take one to the house. But he's not a guy that I, I would necessarily say is going to keep me up all night throughout the summer. You're worried about what he's going to do to us and how we're going to defend him. Then uh, out wide, uh, their best receivers. I'm going to mention him real quick. It's a guy named I, I don't. I always have trouble pronouncing his first name, but Shaden. I'm going to go with Shaden Metters. Who will be a senior? He's forty. He's, he had forty-five catches last season for seven hundred and sixteen yards. Sixteen yards a catch. Though. He was their big play threat out wide. Two touchdowns only though. And then they got a, a, a young guy who they use in a variety of different ways. He's a, a, more so a return than anything, but he also getting involved in uh, some fly sweeps in the run game a little bit. A little bit as a receiver. I think he only had six catches on the season, but he's he's a playmaker. If you watch him play, you see him move. The guy's electric. His name's Darrington Evans. So keep your eye on him returning kicks. He returned a, a kick for a touchdown in the bowl game against Toledo. He's a guy that we definitely need to account for as well. All right, Chris, so you kind of dug in this a second ago talking about our defensive line. But that's a, a little overview of what they're going to be bringing to the table offensively. How do you think we match up with Appalachian State defensively? Is this an offense that's going to give us issues, or do they more so play into our strengths? 
I think they play into our strengths, actually, because I think we're faster defensively. I mean, you have Roquan, who is, you know, he's I think he's a great linebacker, but I don't think he's, you know, there's the best um, coming straight at you, and this plays into his, his strengths a little bit with the finesse going, you know, I think it's going to be more for him to go sideline to sideline type things uh, with his own reads, and I think our defensive line is, you know, we're bigger, but I still think we're more athletic with people like John Ledbetter, Trent's very athletic, um, Tyler Clark's very athletic, and I, so I think it kind of plays into our strength. Lorenzo as well out there. I, mean, I know Lorenzo hasn't had the career we all want to have, but he's still got plenty of athleticism out there for us. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think... I like our athleticism in the front seven, especially against this zone-based attack. They're going to get some yards, guys. They they have some playmakers. They're going to do some things. But you're right. When you have Roquan Smith patrolling sideline to sideline there, I think that kind of plays into his strengths, plays into our strengths up front with that front seven. So, I mean, if you look statistically, we were actually – it's weird. You know, we were actually better against the pass than the run last year statistically. Not by much, but we were 16th nationally against the pass and 34th nationally against the run. But saying that – even though the stats say one thing, I still say, and tell me if you disagree, Kurt, but I still say our secondary is the weak link on this defense, right? Right now, yeah. Yeah, right at this point. And it's not much of a weak link because we have a lot of experience right there, but if I'm looking at our defense, I'm saying if I'm an offense, an offensive coordinator trying to figure out how I exploit Georgia, I'm looking to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and so to me, it's that, and also kind of goes hand-to-hand, that and our ability to generate a pass rush without having to bring additional bodies those are the, our two weak links defensively right now. And, and maybe those things change this year. I hope to God they do. But I think if you look at last year, those are the two major weaknesses we had defensively. But in a game like this, I don't know how much those weaknesses are going to show up. Because Land does not have the ability to beat you through the air consistently. Now, if, if they get the running game going and we have to dedicate additional guys to the box and they, they stay ahead of the chains, then he can hurt you off play action. But I just don't see him being able to beat us through the air Uh the key is clearly winning on first and second down against this offense, clearly. And that's the case in most games. But against a team like this that wants to run the ball so heavily, the absolute key to stopping them is winning on first and second down and force them into third and long situations where, like I said earlier, land becomes a liability as opposed to a weapon. So what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, are we equipped to do that? Are we equipped to win on first and second down, force them into third and long situations the majority of the time? I think the answer is yes, and I think you're with me on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit on their offense there. Now let's flip the ball. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. And this might be surprising to those that don't think anyone outside of the SEC plays defense. But Appalachian State actually had a pretty stout defense last year, albeit, yes, by group of five standards. But they were good. Uh, and they returned seven starters off of a unit that finished 17th nationally overall, giving up only 330 yards a game. And they don't really have a glaring weakness, uh, kind of like us last year. I mean, we were pretty good all around defensively. We had our moments where we had some breakdowns, but they're similar in that they defended both the run and the pass well. Their rush defense was 20th nationally, giving up 125 yards a game and actually under four yards a carry, which is impressive. Their pass defense was 31st nationally, giving up 203 yards a game. So not a major weakness one way or the other. Uh, they had a top 10 scoring defense nationally, giving up only 17.8 points a game. Uh, they're decently disruptive up front. If you watch them, you can you see at times it can be disruptive, but it's not a consistent disruption. And the stats kind of spell that out. They were 40th nationally in sacks with 2.3 a game and 57th nationally in tackles for loss. 
They had a really good red zone defense last season. They were eighth nationally in touchdown percentage allowed inside the red zone last year. They only allowed 51% of their oh, 51% of the time that opponents got in the red zone did they allow touchdowns. That's a really good number. Um, they're also they were really good on third down. They were 16th nationally last season, only allowing third down conversions at a clip of 33%. Uh, and their best attribute last season was probably their success in limiting big plays, which is a, to me is a dominant characteristic of almost any good defense. Don't give up big plays, force offenses to go the length of the field, and chances are someone on the way they're going to make a mistake. They were first nationally, number one in 20-plus yard plays allowed last season. Now, they do lose some key pieces in two linebackers, John Law and Keenan Gilchrist. Law more of the inside variety, Gilchrist pretty much an outside backer, sometimes pass rusher. They also lose cornerback Mondo Williams, who did a lot of good things for them as well. But they do have seven starters and a fair amount of returning talent. So, Kurt, when you're looking at this defense, coupled with our offensive ineptitude last season, that, those numbers are legit for that defense last year. I know it's against, outside of two games, a group of five opponents, but if you couple their defensive success last season with our offensive ineptitude last season, does that give you any cause for concern heading into this game? Not as much. Really? You don't think they're going to give us any trouble at all? I mean, you're, you're, I think they'll give us trouble trying to draw some things up, but at the same time, um, I think this is more of a team that is not the type guys that are just going to stuff up the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, Miami, look, they, they did a really good job against Tennessee to open the season. But they Miami had their way with them. I mean, let's just put it out there. They absolutely had their way with them. Really struggled in ACC play, tore them apart. Yeah, and that's true. Why do you think they had so much success against Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee had barely over 300 yards total I offense. Think Tennessee just didn't show up. I mean, if you watch the game, they played terrible. They did. Um, I think they've been they, reading their press clippings a little too much coming into the season and didn't take yeah, them all that they, seriously. They did not take. They took them very lightly, and that's the thing where you know Kirby's pitching all summer that you know showing video that you can't take this team lightly. And Tennessee just showed like you know they really just act. I mean, it was I believe a Thursday game. Yeah, it was a Thursday night game. It was they, it wasn't originally supposed to be, but then they changed it to get some more games on that night. Yeah, Thursday yeah. night. To me, they just didn't show up. I mean, it was. It's weird. So if your team's not used to playing on Thursday night, it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, it was kind of a confluence of events there, or a confluence of circumstances. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Because when they played Miami at home a couple weeks later, and people were expecting, based on what they did against Tennessee, expecting Appalachian to give them a lot of trouble, and Mark Rick said, no, not happening. And they just they destroyed them. I mean, I watched. I was actually in Columbia, Missouri that day watching the game uh, from Harpo's there, waiting for our game to start, and Miami just destroyed them. So... It, yeah, I, I I think you're right in saying that Kirby's going to have our guys ready and he's going to be pointing to the Tennessee game, of course, to go back to 2007 and, you know, all that. But uh, I don't – I think this is a good defensive unit, but they're undersized. That's what it comes down to for me. This is a team that really likes to get speed on the field defensively. In fact, they sacrifice size in the front seven to get as much speed on the field as possible. I think – we should have success running the football against this team and, and staying ahead of the chains. I really do. We don't know that. I mean, we've got to see. There's a lot of question marks. Our offensive line is still a question mark. But I think we should have success running the football against this team because they are undersized. Now, like I said, with our struggles, against, our struggles along the offensive line last year and so much still up in the air with that unit heading the season, I can't sit here and guarantee that we're just going to run all over them. But 
I, I still feel pretty confident that we're going to have a lot of success running the football against this team just based on the kind of defense they like to play. I think it's a good matchup for us. They also like to play a lot of cover three defensively, which and the reason they do that, that allows them to sneak an extra defender into the box, an extra safety into the box, where you have one safety playing deep middle and you got your two corners essentially dropping back and, play in, and playing thirds back there. And against a team like us with our offensive leanings, and how we like to run the ball with a backfield full of studs, I imagine we will see a heavy dose of cover three against them. And if that is indeed the case, and they deploy a lot of cover three against us, they're going to be vulnerable to four vertical routes, and it's going to be important that Jacob Eason be ready to hit those vertical shots down the field, unlike he did because he, did, he didn't do it consistently last year. He's going to have to do it in this game because that will pull them out of cover three and open up more room for Chubb and company on the ground. So I, I do think that Jacob in this game is going to have to show off some of that newfound accuracy down the field hitting those vertical shots because they're going to present themselves. They, they really do like to play a lot of cover three. And if we, we, we can exploit that with four verts, but Eason's going to have to hit those shots. And if he does, if he can hit those, we will have a field day offensive against this team. I truly believe that. Is that too far off? No. I don't think that's too strong to say. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this up, Kurt. I'm going to bring back my confidence meter a couple of months earlier this year. For those of you who are newer to the show, uh, I don't have it in me to pick a winner in our game every week once the season arrives because I will never pick against us, even if I st- feel strongly that we're going to lose, uh, because that just isn't in my DNA. I just I simply can't do it. Uh, but I also don't want to be that homer that irrationally picks us to win every single week just because that's what homers do. So what I do during the season to try to be somewhat fair, is I use a confidence meter when giving my final analysis of our game each week. I basically tell you on a scale of 1 to 10 how confident I am in us coming out victorious. So, Kurt, I'm actually going to let you jump in here and do the same thing right now for our matchup to open the season with Appalachian State. Now, right now, and of course, you know, you reserve the right to change your opinion, but right now, how confident are you that we're going to beat Appalachian State on September 2nd? Give me a number. One through ten. I'll say eight. Yeah, that's exactly what I have written down here too. Why an eight? Um, I just you know I have quite a bit of confidence, but I'm just not gonna go just straight homer ten. Yeah, a ten to me is like going back to the beginning of the show. That's Jacksonville State, Charleston Southern. Those are tens. Like, there's no way you can lose those games. Appalachian State is not that. There's it's not a sure thing win. It's a absolutely we should win game. But not a sure thing, which is one of the reasons I don't like us playing. If we want to, if we're going to play a watered down team, a watered down competition, let's just go all the way and play one of those passy baby seals. Uh, but don't get me wrong, like, Appalachian State is a good team, right? Would, would you say they're a good team? Yeah. yeah. This is a good team. We definitely should respect them. They deserve that. They completely deserve our respect. But saying that, we absolutely should not fear them. We are the more talented team in every phase of the game. They are good. We are better. They have playmakers. We have more. Like I said, this is not a sure thing. But we 100% should win this game. No excuses for losing this game. Uh, a sure, like I said, a, a sure thing is like a, a Charleston Southern for me. That's a 10. But Appalachian State is better than that. And, and Taylor Lamb is a Georgia boy who will want to put on a show. You know he will. This, and also, you got to factor in this is a proud program who is used to winning. Now, I know it's not at the Power 5 level, but they are used to winning. Even though they've come up to the Group of 5 level, D1, FBS level, uh, they've won. They're 24 over the first three seasons in the Sun Belt. So they've been there before. They've been in these big-time situations. They've been in Tennessee or at, at Neyland State, and they've been in the big house. 
they won't be intimidated. So that's something you have to factor in too. But, you know, and yeah, we have some question marks coming to the season that have to be answered. So for those reasons, I can't really go higher than an eight, but an eight is still a high level of confidence. Not cockiness, but confidence. And that's how I feel going into this game. I've watched these guys a lot over the past couple weeks. And they are a good team. Like I said, they are a good team. We should respect them. They absolutely can beat us if we come out flat like we did a couple years ago in Georgia Southern. But I just don't see that happening. I think Kirby's on a mission this year. And like you said, he's been beating into our guys' heads all offseason. We've had all offseason. Look forward to this being the first game. So I think that we should be able to handle this team fairly easily if we if we play our game, if we don't just completely wet the bed. So I'm going eight, you're going eight. Sounds about right for me. All right, guys, I hope you appreciate, or hope you enjoyed, not appreciate, hope you enjoyed. We appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed the show here today, uh, breaking down some Appalachian. I love doing this stuff, guys. This is what I love, as uh, just actually talking about matchups, talking about games. And we, don't really, we only get to do that, what, 13 times a year? Uh, maybe 14 to go to the title game. But uh, it's nice getting get in the summer here and be able to talk a little ball and look at that team, a little preview here for you guys. But we'll be talking plenty about this as the season gets closer and closer. But hope you guys enjoyed a preview here as we look ahead to the opening of the season, September 2nd in Sanford Stadium. So for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Check back with us next week. As always, guys, go Dawgs.